there is some comfort in that. But it also is interesting with these TED Talk-like sermons, how we're constantly encouraged to be like these people instead of like Christ. Right. I yeah. feel like. It's like, like be oh, a Gideon. Yeah, be so a Gideon. Can use you. <laughs> yeah, be a David and slay your Goliath. And <laughs> it's like, wait, what though? Like, right. <laughs> am I supposed to be a David or am I supposed to be like Christ? Chicka chicka cha, chicka chicka cha. Oh. You know what it is. Welcome back to Captive Thoughts. This is Caleb. And this is EJ. For this week's episode, all right, usually when we enter into an episode, we have a general idea of the topic we're going to talk about. The thought. The thought. I have no idea what the thought is. Caleb has no idea. I kept it secret from him this week. And so... This is going to be more real than anything we've done yet. All of our weeks have been candid. We don't script anything, but we do have a a thought when we enter into it. The general conversation we've been having. This time, completely blank slate, except for me. I kind of know what we're going to be talking about. So if this is a bad episode, we can blame EJ, and if it's good, you guys can comment, and we'll make sure EJ's the only one that ever makes up the episode talks. I will be blamed for week six episode if it goes downhill. But I think, I think we'll be on to something this week. All right. You ready? I'm ready for this. Okay. So... For many of you who listen to this podcast, as you know, I currently go to school in Chicago, finishing my master's. Ted's. Ted's. And um, I was visiting a church, and during the, the worship service, they were playing a worship song that I had you never... You go to church? Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 just, I'm just like... <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I was visiting this church for the first time, and they were playing a worship song that I had never heard before. And this was one of the lyrics in the song. Okay, wait. So I have to ask before you get to it. Yes. Well, no, go go for it. Let's go. Go for it. Go. Get. I'll, I'll ask Do you have a question? You want to wait till after? I'll wait now? till after because, yeah, I want to hear the lyric first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was one of, I never heard this worship song before. It's, I don't know if it's popular or not. It might be. That was going to be my question was if you looked up the song and like, was it written by the worship pastor at the church? Or no, what? I didn't even look it up. See, now we got to look it up, but yeah. I don't even this know This may it be is. a huge famous song for all we know, but I just thought it was, I thought the lyric was so funny. Okay. And like so ridiculous. I wrote it in my phone. All right. In this past week, I was looking through my my phone, old notes, and this I found I found this lyric, and so I'm like, we're gonna talk about this and see where the conversation goes. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The lyric goes as follows. <laughs> okay, dude, I'm not making this up either. This is 100% in a real song that was played at a worship service of like 500 I'm people. I'm laughing, and we haven't done it, dude. <laughs> Just because of your energy. I'm so oh excited. All right, ready? <laughs> dude. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is this is the lyric. <laughs> no one can last before his icy blast. <laughs> Wait, you're kidding, right? <laughs> no one can last before his icy blast. <laughs> I'm completely serious about like, this. He sounds like he's a slushy. <laughs> No one can last before his icy blast. No one can last before his icy blast. Now, um, what? (laughs) What is happening with this lyric? Okay, what's the context? There, I don't think there was any. I think the the lyric was trying to rhyme with a a previous line in, like, the chorus or something. But I, I was singing along, and I looked up at the screen, and I was like, wait, does it really say that? 
Dude. No it's... one can last before his icy blast. I, did, I honestly, for those of you listening, I honestly have not looked up this song, so I don't even know. Dude, it's it's Psalm 147.17. Are you serious? He hurls down his hell like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? <laughs> Wow! I don't know how I would. That's so like. I don't remember that I, verse. You feel bad, don't you? I do feel bad. <laughs> no. now. I, but I don't remember that verse to be honest. No, but it's. But that's I mean, amazing. Obviously, though, now. context of it is just like. Okay, guys, I'm giving context without having done exegesis. Don't judge me. But if we <laughs> if we understand how Israel saw God as in control of all things, which He is, mm-hmm. they were saying like He hurls down His hail like pebbles. Who can withstand His icy blast? Or like a ESV says He hurls <laughs> like, down His crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before His cold? Is basically just to say like God's in control and what He destroys is destroyed, and that's all there is to it. They probably had hail destroy their crops hmm. at some point. And we're like, this is God because we deserve it. Well, and being living in Colorado, it does hail a lot. There are a lot of icy blast storms. <laughs> icy blast. I just thought the lyric was so funny, like in the context of the that song. That is so, oh my gosh. But now that I know it, it's in Psalms, I mean, it, it's poetic, at least. So that was your five-minute episode of Captive Thoughts. We oh, <laughs> Captive Thoughts. I failed this week. I thought no, it would be, like, no, a funny actually, thing, and now it's like, so, oh, that's so the funny. Bible. That's the Bible. For like, <laughs> the I laughed minutes. so hard, and then you're like, that's actually scripture. And I'm like, what? I mean, Google. Google told me, so it's not like I actually knew. Wow. Oh, that's really funny. I, I actually, I want to look up the song, um... But dude, when, when and, we're talking about like songs and psalms, mm-hmm. um, have you ever checked out Shane and Shane's Psalms album? I don't know if I have. Dude, it, it's really been, it, it's we could we could talk about worship. I mean, this episode could just be worship, but uh, I've noticed a pattern in myself of getting into more worshipful songs. It's kind of funny, as a kid, it was like you wanted the K-Love pop music kind of worship, you know? Yeah. And now as I've really been maturing in the Lord, like listening to like Sovereign Grace and the Gettys and Shane and Shane has really dug deep into my heart. But they have a, an album called Psalms 2, and it's where they try to take the Psalms and and turn it into a song. Uh-huh. But they don't just like sing the Psalm like if you've ever been to a Psalm sing at a church. They actually like take parts of the Psalm and turn it into a song, and it's actually super good, so you should... Did I like that? Wonder if they've ever done icy blast. <laughs> so, this is happening live. All right, candid conversation. I just googled song lyric. No one can last before his icy blast because I'm trying to find like the artist of this song. Yeah. And no joke, the like the like most searchable or like the top searched top searched words are hard this afternoon. They are. Um. The like two most searched. Like articles as- associated with that lyric is Adina Manzel, Let It Go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. And then uh, something with Game of Thrones, the hidden meaning behind Podrick's song, which Ooh. I don't know what that means. I don't watch Game of Thrones. But Let It Go. Yeah, want to get into it? And Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, you want to get into it? What is there to get okay. into? Well, we'll get into it. We won't get into, we won't get into it. it. But worship. But worship. We can talk about worship. We I mean, can. there's. it's funny because I was having a conversation with some coworkers actually just a few weeks ago about this. Um, the pastor, one of the pastors at the church I go to, he gave a sermon where he was kind of defending 
it's kind of it's kind of complicated but you know like people have an issue with worship music that's very self-focused right right i do i would say i have a major issue with that type of worship music he was defending it on the basis of the eyes and me's used in psalms okay but the way he went about it was just like barking up the wrong tree in the wrong direction and complaining about something that people aren't actually upset about mm. so i have a coworker who also goes to the same church and, and we just got the talking about worship yeah. What what is the practice of worship and why does it matter how we do it? Mm-hmm. And I had brought up to them that well the psalms were meant to be sung to the congregation as a whole. Yeah. Like they were meant to be sung to one another. It was mm. a, like a Psalm 78 literally is talking about how they would sing this song to their kids to remind them of what God has done. Right. And so we've talked a little bit about the same song before. Oceans. Oceans. <laughs> really doesn't tell me anything about what God does. And in fact, it never even mentions God, mm. but it's very self-focused. Whereas most of the Psalms, most of the old hymns are like, here's what God did. Here's what's done. Yeah. Here's what we do in, in praise of him for those things and remembering. Yeah. And it's actually nice to tie into last week's episode where we talked about often the gospel can get twisted where it becomes about our performance and about oh, yeah. us. And not only can the gospel turn into that, but I think worship can also turn into that where oddly enough... We ought to be worshiping God, but sometimes worship can still turn back onto like us and like yeah. what we're doing and what we're experiencing and what we're feeling and like our lives where worship should be pointing to Christ and should yeah. be pointing to like how God has redeemed us and been faithful to us and you know, all those like themes that we see in the scripture. So yeah, it's 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 very dangerous when worship turns into I and me. Yeah. Um And but, we see this with like uh you know, the worship service is more than just the songs. We would both yes, affirm that. It's the sermon as well. And you even start to see it in the sermons now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to call them TED Talk sermons. Oh, yeah. I'm not the one that quoted their, like, coined that coined term. That term yeah. Somebody else did. I don't know who. But, like, TED Talk sermons where it's like, be a Gideon. I don't know about you, but Gideon sucked. <laughs> he melted <laughs> oh, down no. gold and made an idol, and the scripture says that the people hoard after it. Hmm. So I don't want to be a Gideon. Hmm. I want to be who God draws me to be. I want to be Caleb and I want to live for God. Yeah. And and I don't need to be a Gideon because Gideon sucked or be a Samson. But Samson was grotesque and slept with many women and believed that all of his strength was in his hair and didn't regard God as anything. You know, so it's like Well, it's actually <laughs> remarkable how every like biblical figure apart from Christ has like gaping issues and yeah. flaws and scripture isn't like shy at pointing those out like scripture points hey these Dude, things are issues with these people you and i were watching a video recently it might have been in the american gospel movie but he said he's like it's, it's kind of funny how not funny but like scripture takes very careful work to make absolutely everybody in it look terrible compared to christ right because we are right yeah yeah even as as we know from the the very first people um, Adam and Eve, right? All the way till Christ throughout the Old Testament, people constantly falling short, right? Yeah. Even the Davids and the Gideons and, you know, all these like the Moses, Abraham, even these amazing like figures that we often see, scripture is like keen to point out even they have issues, right? Yeah. And, and 
there is some comfort in that, but it also is interesting with these TED Talk-like sermons, how we're constantly encouraged to be like these people instead of like Christ, Right. I yeah. feel like. It's like, like, be oh, a Gideon yeah, so be a Gideon. God can use you. <laughs> yeah, be a David and slay your Goliath, and <laughs> it's like, wait, what though? Like, right. <laughs> am I supposed to be a David, or am I supposed to be like Christ? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the challenge. Well, now you're getting into muddy waters because mm-hmm. David was after God's own heart, right? He, he was. Right. He was after yeah. God's own heart, which I, I think there is something <laughs> to be taken away from yeah. there. But if I'm really supposed to be like David, we also have to look at like the really, issues he had. Oh, yeah. I heard a really good sermon on that once. It wasn't that David's actions made him a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. It was David's repentance that made him a man after God's own heart. Right. So. Right. When, who was it? Was it Nathan that confronted him? Yeah. Nathan, yeah, like, Nathan. called him out, essentially, and with, like, like, this dude, dream or something. sleeping with another man's wife and then murdering him. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. And and David repents. And David repents. And that's, that's where David is a man after God's own heart. Yeah. So, don't be a David. Don't be a David. Be repentful. Be a Christ. Yeah. Not that Christ repented for anything. See, I'm always getting controversial <laughs> because I don't mean to. And so then now people are going to stop listening to our wrong. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it is interesting. This, like, individualized gospel. Like, it's it's really our culture. Mm. We live, especially in the United States, we're heavily, heavily influenced on the do. Yep. And the be perfect. And the work hard. And the get what you want. and And things like that. And that's so... Not the gospel. Really, we're heavy on the be your own God, right. which, if anything, just screams back to Adam and Eve. That's right. what they wanted to be. They right. wanted to be God. Right. And we have briefly talked about this a little bit, like in, in past conversations, but often we strive after possessions, health, wealth, you know, all these things that we've talked about that really keep us captive and often close off the gospel from us when really we should, and you know, this is kind of a loaded term now, but liberation, right? Being liberated from those things. But honestly, if you do look at the gospel, it's not about accumulating things for yourself, but rather being willing to let those go um, and give up all things for Christ. You're saying that people who say that what we're actually being liberated from in Christianity is oppression are wrong. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Today, yeah. that's that's the narrative, and we could get into that a whole other time, but the narrative is that the gospel frees those who are oppressed, which I would affirm, Right. but what they most of the time mean by that is oppressed from social immobility, hmm. or their belief that they are socially immobile. Hmm. I think that that is a yeah. Christ plus. Interesting. You know, it's like we're liberated from sin, liberated from being like our culture, liberated from pursuing you know the best things we can have now mm-hmm. right but i wouldn't but they almost turned the other way they're like we're liberated to do all those things we're freed so that those things can happen but i don't i think that's a twisting of the gospel it's very it's very interesting how often people kind of yeah paint this narrative that the gospel liberates us from oppression which obviously, as you just said, it, it does. I mean, the things, yeah. the the powers and principalities of darkness of Satan. We've talked about right? this before. It been released from us those to suffer well. Yeah, to suffer yeah. well, and it liberates us so that we can enter into the the kingdom of light, yeah. kingdom of Christ. But it is interesting how people paint liberation as oh well now we can engage in the things of the world almost. We can yeah. engage in the things of society right. where. It's like, wait, 
are we supposed to like i mean obviously we are in this world and we do interact and engage with things in society but to what point does liberation theology or like this gospel that liberates us like it's supposed to conform us to society or yeah. conform us to christ it like it kind of like, gets muddy if you're a christian and you've been liberated which i would i would absolutely say the the fundamental idea behind liberated is freed from sin yeah right freed from like we said having to be ingrained in culture but it takes it and says since you're a christian who's been liberated and they mean it in the sense of you've been given wealth and power or status or mm -hmm. whatever then you're supposed to use that to liberate others which is basically to grab their hand and pull them up to the same status as you right that's not the gospel and right. that that's what gets so concerning in this day and age where it's like what are what are we actually pursuing now Right. And it's not to say that God doesn't give us good gifts and we should use those to bless others. I absolutely believe that. If you've been given mm -hmm. wealth, whatever you have, then you should use it to bless others. Yes. Um, but that's not the gospel. That's what the gospel does through us. Right. See, so the gospel is what's done for you, liberated from sin, liberated from being ingrained. And in light of that, we live that way for others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's key and in 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 return like once we understand like what we have been liberated from i think we can worship rightly um where yeah if we're if we're not lib if we don't view liberation as oh, we're freed from sin and, and the powers of darkness and we're liberated from this engraving of sin nature and things of the world yeah if we don't view it that way then yeah it still comes back to us right and like what we do and what we feel and what we experience and instead of you know, what Christ has done and what he has transformed us into. Again, a lot of things that we kind of talked about last week. On the side of worship, because I, I, that's where we started, this is actually right in line with that. Uh, do you ever listen to Alistair Begg? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I like know. him. He's, he's pretty good. He's a Scottish guy. Okay. Really good pastor. He has this video I'll send you. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> I would suggest looking it up. Look up Alistair Begg. Um, worship versus or experience versus feet or like feeling versus knowledge and worship <laughs> it's one of those titles <laughs> one of these so it's alistair Begg, and it's like knowing versus feeling and worship okay and he talks about going to a church that's not much like his because mm -hmm. um, he's his is very like liturgical set but he was like i was on a trip and he's like they got the big numbers counting down on the screen and the numbers get down to zero and the guy comes out on stage like jay leno and mm -hmm. he, and the worship pastor getting everybody kicked up and then yeah. he starts it with like how do you feel today right and alistair was like don't ask me what i feel ask me what i know because i feel like a wretch he was mm. like, I just kicked my dog. I don't even own a dog. The guy in the parking lot stole my spot. The coffee in my cup burned my hand. And you're asking me, how do I feel? Mm. Yeah. And he was like, but you should rather ask me what I know. And I, I remember when I heard that, I was like, whoa, that's so different. And I was yeah. really grateful at the time that where Amy and I go on Sunday evenings, they, they do start with a call to worship that reminds us of what God has done. Right. and reminds us, this is what you know. Yeah. You know that you're freed from sin. You know that Jesus has paid the penalty. Um, you know that God loves you as a Christian and that you're, you're brought in to the adopted family yeah. of God. That's what you know. And when you worship, that's what you should be expressing to God. Yeah. So we shouldn't be going into worship trying to feel loved. We should go into worship knowing that we are loved. Yeah. And I think that changes things. Yeah. If we go into worship, worshiping what we know God has done for us instead of what we feel like. Because, I mean, there have been few Sundays, number of Sundays in, in my life where the night before on Saturday I had 
done something wrong. I had sinned. (laughs) And I I went to bed feeling awful, and then I wake up Sunday morning, and I still feel awful, and then I go to church, and I walk in the building, and there's all this guilt and, you know, this pressure to perform or look good in front of people. And that affects my worship now because I'm worshiping on how I feel or the things that I've done instead of, no, I need to repent of whatever I may have done, but I also need to worship with the knowledge of Christ has died for me and has atoned for my sin and has rescued me. Dude, that's, that's a heavy weighted, like, do you talk about being a terrible evangelist? If you're just trying to get people to follow something that you're still trying to feel. Right. And that's why I think so many seeker, like sensitive, seeker friendly churches often have messages that kind of are dictated around feelings almost because people walk in that might not know Jesus and they speak to the feelings of what those people feel instead of calling them to repentance. Do you feel lost? Do, do you feel right. like you don't have? Do you want to feel like you do? Yeah. Do you like, want to, Do you feel like you, you want to feel like you belong here? And, yeah. you know, you kind of hear that language. Belong, yeah. Yeah, belonging there. And it's like, wait, like you haven't even called them to like confess their sin and repent right. yet. You're already like asking them how they feel about being And you here. haven't called the believers who are there to know what's been done for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, I, for some reason I have this image in my head of like <clears throat> a little kid that's been adopted by a family, mm-hmm. but they don't totally feel loved by the family. So they're always doing, 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 trying to feel loved. Yeah, to get like, that approval. Hey, dad, would you say great job? Like, can I call you dad? Is that okay? And trying to get the approval. I wouldn't imagine that little kid talking to like the next little kid they're going to adopt and being like, oh, it's really great. You got to come know my dad. He's so wonderful. I'm still trying to feel like he loves me, <laughs> but he's the best. <laughs> right. Right. But that little kid who knows that dad loves him, even if dad doesn't say it all the time, this kid that recognizes the gift of adoption that's been given to him, now they're saying to that other kid, you're going to love it here. Right. That's that's really what I think makes a true like seeker-friendly church is the church that says, here's all the ways you already know that you're wrong, mm-hmm. and I don't need to tell you to you know, be feeling like yeah you're saved or be feeling like God loves you. I need to tell you, here's what God's done. And -hmm. if you'll accept that, he already loves you. Right. Because whether you feel it or not doesn't dictate whether it's happened. Yeah. You know, like Christ did die for the world, right? He, He died to save sinners. Yeah. And God sent his only son to accomplish a, a great redemptive plan of salvation. I mean, we, we see that in scripture, but whether you feel that or not, doesn't mean like, oh, that's that changes now, whether that has happened, yeah. right? Whether the work of Christ, and like you talked about with adoption, like those who have confessed faith in Christ, a, a, a term that we use, elect, right? Yeah. Like those who are in the family of God, right? Whether you feel like you've been adopted or not doesn't dictate, oh, no, there's a knowledge that, yes, I have been adopted yeah. by God. Um, so, yeah, bringing in this idea of worship, knowledge versus feeling kind of interesting i think feeling still has something to do with it but i think it well comes yeah after the knowledge after yeah. the knowledge because i'm, I'm trying to good. think about the times where i've not felt loved and somebody reminds me of you know what this could be a callback to one of our first episodes of the tension of the both and, yeah, the both and. knowledge and right. feelings maybe yeah. instead of having them be versus each other but maybe actually a hybrid it does it reminds me there's a there's a book, a devotional book by D.A. Carson called For the Love of God. Hmm. Um, and I was doing that through his Job series in there. Uh-huh. And one of the things he talks about in there is God's response to Job <clears throat> suggests that God wants something more than just knowledge hmm. out of Job. Yeah. 
that it, there is something there that's like, I want more than just your head knowledge. Right. Job, well, I want and more. This is a good point. I mean, we've obviously been talking the past, you know, several minutes about knowledge when it comes to worship, like knowing what God has done. Yeah. But at the same time, if we just leave it at knowledge, I think we're also missing something. Um, yeah. And, you know, you kind of hear those cliche things like the 18 inch, you know, Mo- the, what is it the 18 inch like travel from the head to the heart have you heard that thing <laughs> i think i have at some point whatever yeah. it is i think it's 18 inches but anyway there's this like kind of thing where it's like oh we it can depends on how long your neck is <laughs> <laughs> sorry oh, i love it um supposedly and i'm doing air quotes um supposedly 18 inches yeah. or whatever but then all from your head traveling to your heart yeah right and it's like the longest 18 inches and you know whatever thing i think that is important but but this idea that Right, if knowledge merely stays in the head, right, um, how much transformation really is occurring if it's not, like, in the heart? You know, that kind of yeah. like, cliche thing that you hear. But it, it does, like, illuminate an interesting point where, on one hand, if you're just entering worship about feelings and me and myself, I, you know, all that, you're missing a lot. And, and I think worship isn't as full. At the same time, maybe if you're just stuck on knowledge and knowing the right things, that could maybe hinder the fullness of what worship can be yeah i don't know i think it could yeah i think if you get too stuck on knowledge or i guess if you get too stuck on the wrong knowledge wrong knowledge because if knowledge of the gospel is just that you've been adopted into the family of god and your sins are forgiven and god himself died to pay for your sins well, that's good that knowledge. knowledge should lead to feeling pretty dang blessed that knowledge pretty should. dang beautiful yeah but if your knowledge is jesus died so that you could have riches glory power and be healed, as we talked about in the last episode, or yep. work to feel his love, yep. then that's knowledge that's never going to lead to feeling. Empty knowledge, really, yeah. is what that is. There is an empty knowledge. knowledge that won't produce true life in the gospel. Yeah. So uh, just remember that um, no one can last <laughs> before his icy <laughs> blast. <laughs> His icy blast of love. No, I'm kidding. That's not what it says. (laughs) Adding that in. No one one can last before his icy blast. It's kind of funny, you know. uh, We started with that and we were laughing at it. Now it's kind of interesting thinking about that. That, yeah, you really can't stand before the power of the Lord. And again, that should lead you into worship. Like what God has done for you. Um, Any other thoughts? I know uh, this week I kind of just threw in something for you. And it was very uh random for you because you didn't know what we were going to be talking I didn't, about but this was this was maybe the best yet. <laughs> maybe the best we didn't know maybe the best yet so we were able to get into it just the, the most candid and run arguably the most yeah. candid one we've had it actually just like a a one a side thing that's mentioned there I, i've been reading tim keller's prayer okay and he talks about confidently draw, drawing to the throne of grace yep. and he talks about oftentimes he hears from Christians who, when they pray for forgiveness of sins, they kind of go to God in a begging manner. Yeah. And and also they try to feel like they're actually sorry. Mm. So they know it's wrong, and so they try to feel like, I'm so sorry for I've done it, and I know I've done this too. And he talked about uh, if Christ has already paid the debt for your sin, then there is no reason to go to God trying to feel sorry for what you've done. You should go to God with confidence that's already forgiven mm. and seek the forgiveness that's there. Mm. And so that, that's really big here, too, because if you have knowledge that you're already forgiven, then you're not going to be trying to feel forgiven because you already know that you are. Right. And the knowledge that you are leads to feeling like you are. Mm. It's funny. I feel like 
we try to start from the back end where we're trying to feel something that we don't actually know about. And you can't right. feel something you don't know about already. And honestly, it almost turns into like that Christ's atoning work wasn't just a one-time deal, but like Christ is constantly like having to atone yeah. for you. With that idea, like you're constantly begging for Christ to like atone for your sins. Yeah, please keep paying my debt. This one on the cross. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. And it almost turns into that where like every day or every week you're constantly like begging for Christ to atone for for your sins or yeah, cast your sin to the cross. But it's like if that has already happened, like his his one time death, burial, resurrection, like if if those events already have happened in history, then we don't have to keep like begging or pretending or feeling sorry. Like for yeah. these things, but rather genuinely coming to God saying, I know that you atoned for me. Yeah. I know what you have done. Thank you, and Jesus. I, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And I'm also aware of what I have done. So with that in mind, right, I acknowledge like where yeah. I've fallen short, but I also acknowledge that you have already done. And then like, think the about that. Work. You're drawing beyond the veil. Mm-hmm. The curtain was torn. Yep. Into the presence of God, you go based on what Jesus did. Yep. You know, we always end the prayer with like, in Jesus' name, amen, like abracadabra. Right. But it's interesting to think about starting your prayer within Jesus' name because you're coming to God the Father on the basis of the works of Jesus Christ. As our high priest. Yeah. So when you mm-hmm. draw into the presence of God, you are drawing in there already on the basis of what Jesus has done. Right. So you're not just going in hoping that God will forgive a sin. You're going in already on the basis of what Jesus has done, which like should really change how we pray, how we worship. Like you said, waking up on Sunday morning after doing something stupid. Yep. Saturday night, you should go to church and the church should remind you, done, do. Mm-hmm. Done, forgiven. Done, Feel it, you know, and that's that's really where it should go. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Yeah, understanding that I can enter, as you talked about, like boldly to the throne of grace because of the merit and work of Christ as my high priest, as the one mediator between God and man. Who as, the al- atonement. as the atonement who has already said it is finished. Yeah. Um, I think that completely changes like how we worship, how we repent how we view like what how the gospel liberates like yeah. all these topics that we've been talking about so no one can stand before his icy blast no one can last, last before, before his, his icy, icy blast, blast has to rhyme but that <laughs> <laughs> that being the case uh the believer who is forgiven in christ jesus now can yeah and that's glorious yeah yeah thanks for listening to this episode of captive thoughts we hope you enjoyed it this one was a little more candid a little more Fun, kind of, you, you know, kind of <laughs> off the rails sometimes. But, I actually kind of like this. This one was actually really we good. We kind of just present a topic. One of us just jumps in and goes for it. It, it worked out. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you didn't like it, you can keep it to yourself, or you can tell <laughs> us. We're okay either way. Uh, we appreciate if you'd like the page on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the page on Facebook. Watch us on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate all the support. We'll also have it on all like platforms. Hopefully that enables um, our podcast to be sent out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, spread the word. Uh, we appreciate any constructive feedback or any encouraging positive yeah. Uh, comments. And, yeah, we just thank you for your faithful listening. Yeah, definitely.